Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Today's Tuesday, February 4th, 2020. I'm broadcasting live from Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where I'll be speaking uh, in just a little bit. Coming up today on Roland Martin Unfiltered, what in the world happened at the Iowa caucuses? They had one job and they totally screwed it up. We'll give you the partial results because we still don't know who actually won the Iowa caucuses. The impeachment managers made their last pitch to the Senate today, but it's not looking good. Bottom line is Republicans are not going to do anything to Donald Trump. We'll show you some of the good, bad, and the ugly. The House approved a bill that will help you with your credit. We'll give you the details. Also, a sexual harassment lawsuit has been filed against the NAACP. We'll tell you what they are seeking. Today, the Texas Southern University Board of Regents, they are meeting to discuss the a possible firing of President Austin Lane. Also, actor Joaquin Phoenix, 
uses a speech at the BAFTA Awards to draw attention to the lack of diversity in the entertainment industry. And he says to white folks, this is on us. Plus, an Ohio student is expelled because his teacher said he smelled like weed, but there was no weed. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. He's got it. Whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics. With entertainment just for kicks, he's rolling. real clear I absolutely despise the Iowa caucuses I don't believe that they should be the first in the nation to vote I've never believed that and then we're seeing this year exactly why that is a joke not only because they're more than 90% white also caucuses are inherently screwed up and guess what last night it really got screwed up a system for reporting votes failed to function properly and backup telephone hotlines it jammed up leading to no declaration of a winner all of a sudden, the candidates, they all came out and started announcing that they won. Well, guess what? So far, according to partial results, right now, about 62% uh, of the precincts have reported. They have not. Uh, it's been updated as of uh, six, actually about uh, three minutes ago. Uh, Pete Buttigieg uh, has 26 point. Now, this is weird. He, he's gotten 27,030 votes in the popular vote, yet he has a percentage of the delegates, 26.9%. Uh, Bernie Sanders got 28,220 votes, but 25.1% of the delegates. Elizabeth Warren, she's in second, third place, 22,254 22, uh, votes, 18.3%. Uh, Joe Biden, 14,176 votes, 15.6%. Amy Klobuchar, 13,357 votes, 12.6%. Uh, folks, this is all absolutely nonsensical. It is nuts. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, let's go right to our uh, panel. Malik Abdul, Republican uh, strategist. Also, Kelly Bethea, communication strategist. Dr. Jason Nichols, Department of African American Studies, University of Maryland. Jason, I want to start with you. I mean, this is just beyond stupid. First of all, okay, we don't have Jason. All right, fine. I'll start with Kelly. Kelly, this is just stupid uh, because uh, when, when you look at this whole deal here. First of all, it's not one person, one vote. Uh, and so what happens is uh, turnout is abysmally low. Mm -hmm. uh, about 16% of the folks uh, vote in the Democratic caucus. You go there, you separate uh, which side of the room for your candidate. There's a certain threshold in the first round your candidate must get. And then if your candidate doesn't get the threshold, then what happens is you then can go caucus with somebody else. And so you got people who are lobbying, people who are standing up, uh, talking about their candidate, why their candidate is a person uh, uh, who's the best choice. In fact, there's this video going around, some white woman voted for Pete Buttigieg, then she found out he was gay, and she wanted to pull her vote back. This is a stupid way to vote. Uh, the, this, to me, is the death nail. The drama this year is the death nail for the caucuses, not only in Iowa, but these other states as well. I mean, 
I have studied voting law, and to this day, caucusing confuses me. Like, even what you just said, I understand it from, you know, a verbatim perspective. I understand exactly what you said, but in practice, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I would go so far as to say, I don't, based off of what you just said, I don't understand how caucusing in this manner isn't a way of voter suppression, because like you said, only 16% come out, the process itself is confusing, and you can either take away your vote, give it to somebody else, what have you, what have you, and it just, it, it does not make sense. What happened to one vote, one person, move along? Um, what's happening in Iowa right now, like you said, it's, it's absurd. It's absolutely ridiculous. And the fact that, you know, uh, my understanding is that it's because of an app, like the technological difficulties of it, I don't understand how this was not already flushed out before it was even put into practice for something this, uh, for an event of this magnitude. Um, we all know, whether we like it or not, Iowa is the first to actually stake a claim in this election. Given that being a fact, why wasn't this absolutely, without a doubt, pretty much foolproof? Like, people should have been trained on this thoroughly. The process should have been thorough. This is just a very huge ball that the Democrats just dropped. Okay, here's... Okay, now, now Donald Trump, uh, Melek is gloating, uh, uh, talking about what happened there, but let's just be clear. Eight years ago, Republicans had their own mess in the Republican caucus. Uh, so, this, so it's not like all of a sudden uh, this is something that is just about Democrats. Republicans have had drama in the Iowa caucus, and frankly... It's time to get rid of these caucuses. I think it is idiotic for you to have to sit there and it's time to go vote. You got to go to your particular precinct. You got to wait. It may take hours for these things to happen. No, you should be able to go in and have privacy. Vote wh whoever you want to go to and your neighbors don't need to know who you voted for exactly. and you shouldn't have to be in a room explaining to people why you're supporting who you support. Yeah, so Roland, this is nothing, as you said, Republicans had issues with this in the past. Iowa, nothing surprising about the Iowa caucus. People have been making these complaints about it for years now. So that they weren't able to get this together. It is a little problematic because apparently the Department of Homeland Security reached out to the officials there in um, Iowa and offered their help and the officials in Iowa declined that. And then I, as I'm reading that apparently the DNC itself, and I guess maybe that's who was in charge of it, but apparently the officials in Iowa reached out to the DNC and, well, the party, as they said, and then the party didn't act on it. But as far as, you know, it's kind of kind of funny to me that we have these conversations every four years about Iowa. The reality is, is that very few people who win the Iowa caucus end up becoming president of the United States. Barack Obama is the um, only... Barack actually, Obama is... nine out of the last 11. Barack Obama is the last one that I actually can remember who actually won. Hillary Clinton won it last year, I believe. Um, the Ted Cruz won it in, I, I think Ted Cruz won it in 2016. I think Rick Santorum won it another year. So I don't, I don't know what, the, you know, who the other ones were. Maybe back in, you know, prior to the 2000s or something like that. But as of late, very few people who win the Iowa caucus end up becoming president of the United States. So if they decide no, to... No, 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 hold on, hold on. Let's, hold on, let's go back. First of all, remember, uh, on the Democratic side, nine out of the last 11 folks who won the Iowa caucus went on to win the nomination. So first and foremost, you got to win the nomination before you can even win uh, the general election. So uh, it, it does show that. 
to me, to me, the issue is irrelevant in terms of who wins the Iowa caucus and who goes on to become president. The problem that I have here is that, remember, in 2016, there was drama at the Nevada caucus mm -hmm. where the Bernie Sanders people felt that they were being screwed over by Hillary Clinton supporters. I just believe fundamentally that caucuses are idiotic. If Melick wants to go vote, you should be able to go into a voting booth, cast your ballot, and go home. You should not have to go to a gymnasium and stay there for two or three hours and then stand up and go to your corner and then Kelly goes to her corner and then I go to my corner and now we're waiting around there. You got children and then what do you do with daycare? Elizabeth Warren was providing free daycare for people when it came to caucuses. This is just dumb. You should have ballot boxes, go in, vote, go home. That's it. Yeah. And it shouldn't be this whole deal if you don't reach a certain threshold, then you get to re-caucus. And so if you're Yang supporters or if you're Cory Booker supporters or whoever's on the ballot and then you don't meet the threshold, then now all of a sudden you get to stand there and go, okay, who wants my vote? And right. so now uh, Blue Judge people and Sanders people and Warren people, and now they're jockeying for my vote. That's just dumb. I'm sorry. And, and, this is just dumb. And it's not just dumb, as you say. Like, I don't want to call it necessarily dumb. It's actually quite fascinating and complicated, but it's also, in my opinion, a way, a, a, a somehow legal way to suppress the vote. Because, like you said, it, it the whole point of voting in this country is that, one, it's straightforward, it's easy, and you do your duty and you leave to do other American duties, such as what have you, like whatever you want your life to be. I, Being there for I hours love, at love, a... Hold on, Kelly, 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 somebody on YouTube said caucusing must have come from Caucasians. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. You know, no. like, it, I don't, I, I don't have the history of caucusing, so I'm not going to comment on that, but it's what ridiculous. I, you know, what I will say, uh, well, um, well, I don't hey, necessarily it's think called it's... levity, Malik, it's called levity. Yeah, but, I mean, you don't have to go through the Caucasians created it. You know, if somebody said that black people created it, it's, it would have been... Malik, it's 91% white people, it's 91% white people in Iowa. That's, white uh, people, I was in Iowa, can't absolutely. count. And I actually think that black people are probably about 3% of Iowans, but this is the process that has been in place. But again, I, I think it's a ridiculous again, process. This process needs to be over. Yeah, no, I it agree with that. Over. I'm just the, pushing back the on, Democratic the, on the Democratic and Republican Party. The Democrat Malik, it's levity, dude. Move on. It's a joke. It's all it okay, is. Okay, and I can criticize Damn, it, race serious. jokes. I can criticize race jokes. Okay, but whatever. we do that all the time, Bob right? Is here. Bob is here. Here we are. Here we are. Uh, we're you know 20 almost 24 hours after the Iowa caucus has started. Know. And we still do not have all of the votes counted. That to me is ridiculous. Dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. And so, and so, guess what? You know what, Kelly? It's, uh, no, I'm going to call it dumb. Okay. And I think here's the part of the problem. Too often we say no, we shouldn't call voters dumb. We should. Oh no, and we no. shouldn't. I, this no, is I'm dumb. not saying that you shouldn't call the voter dumb. Yes, we shouldn't they. call the voters dumb. We shouldn't. Dumb. But what I'm saying, the process. No, you're right, well, Roland. Well, the process. Are dumb voters. Well, we we shouldn't call. I don't We shouldn't call. Um, people dumb. We just shouldn't. Oh, I don't agree. We, we shouldn't they're call dumb, voters dumb, dumb. We shouldn't call voters dumb, dumb for people. making a decision, making a political decision that they want. We shouldn't call voters dumb. What I will say no, is that the I'm process not, actually, itself actually, is dumb. Some people are dumb. I, I will say that yep, the process it itself is dumb. Whoever created said system, you know, 
intellectually challenged, um, or you could find it ingenious in that the, in that they were able to suppress the vote for this long legally. You know, however you want to take it. Um, I, like he said, it is unfair. It, it is, is unfair. unfair if you are a parent and then you are dealing with this whole issue. Uh, you got to sit here and be there for hours. I'm sorry, it makes no sense whatsoever. But I wasn't uh, even so thinking. I hope that this is the end of it. Like, I, like what you what you were saying about parents. I wasn't even thinking about the parents. I was thinking about people. Like, whenever I think about voter suppression and people who are most impacted by something like this, I think about the elderly. I think about those who may be physically challenged. You know, maybe the the venue itself is uh, handicap accessible, but the fact that you know you have people there for hours for something that is supposed to be so simple. I can only imagine. Like, if you are a severe diabetic, you need to go to dialysis, what have you. And again, these are extreme. It's nuts. You know, these are extreme examples, but these happen every day. So, like, for you to be there for hours, knowing you have other things to do, you know, that is very frustrating for some people. And I can only imagine how Iowans even feel about the caucus. Look, people, all this romanticism about, oh, my God, it's a small state. They take it so seriously. It's so quaint. No. (laughs) This is ridiculous. Small states can have simple processes just like the rest of the states. Well, 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 guess what? And guess what? And, and the whole notion about small, if you, can, if you are a small state and you can't count the votes, <laughs> I'm sorry, get rid of your process. And so hopefully this is the death nail to caucuses, uh, and then we'll see what happens. But again, based upon uh, the last reading here, let me go to it. Uh, let me pull it up. Matter of fact, I'm going to go to the Des Moines Register website yeah, uh, just to see. Judge. So it looks like. Uh, looks like uh, Boo Judge uh, is uh, the leader, uh, but again, you got candidates who are registering complaints, uh, and I think, frankly, uh, this Iowa now is irrelevant. And so, really, what this does right now um, is really put the focus now on going to New Hampshire. But again, according to Des Moines Register, what we're looking at is that Pete Boo Judge uh, 26.9, Bernie Sanders uh, 25.1. Elizabeth Warren is at 18.3. Joe Biden uh, is at 15.6. Amy Klobuchar is at 12.6. Andrew Yang got 14 at 1%. And so in terms of the delegates, Judge will have 10. Bernie Sanders will have 10. Elizabeth Warren will have four. Joe Biden will have zero. And Klobuchar and Andrew Yang as well will have zero. Tom Steyer got four. And see, again, even even how we talk about, you know, like actual votes. I mean, you you can't even, because they have percentage of what they call total SDEs, which are state delegate. And it's just, again, it's just all over the place. I I mean, which, what, what? can I, can I just mention something? Hold on, hold on one second. Hold, no, 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 no. Hold, hold on one second. Hold on one second. So here's what I'm now looking at. So again, folks, just so y'all understand, Iowa has this thing called first alignment and then final alignment. All right. And so it's it's totally confusing. And so in your particular precinct, you have to reach a certain threshold. And I think it's 15 percent to go to the final round. So if you're a Joe Biden supporter and in your precinct. The people your you didn't your can did not get a certain threshold, then you get to recaucus. One of the precincts they actually had a coin flip, because there was a tie uh, between I think it was Warren and Buddha Judge. So just so perfect example here. So first alignment, 
uh, Pete Buttigieg. So let me just, I'm going to read this here. In the first alignment, Bernie Sanders came in first with 27,088 votes. Buttigieg came in second with 23,666 votes. Uh, Joe Biden came in, sorry, Elizabeth Warren came in third with 20,848. Joe Biden was fourth with 16,179 votes. So now, after the first alignment, then they have, you can now reshuffle, and then you go to a final alignment. So Pete Buttigieg was second in the first alignment, and then went to 27,000 in the final alignment. Bernie Sanders, 28,220. But this is why this whole thing is so weird, y'all. So Buttigieg, this is the craziest thing. So in the final alignment, Bernie Sanders got 28,220 votes. Buttigieg got 27,030 votes. But Buttigieg gets more delegates and is declared the winner of the Iowa caucus. Okay, I'm just trying to understand. How do you get fewer votes, but you get more delegates and you're the winner of the caucus. Yeah, so this is, we, we know that it's a ridiculous process, but I just wanted to mention from a purely political analysis, you know, an analyst point of view, the, over the years, this Iowa caucus, it really has been about momentum. So if you win the Iowa caucus, it's going to maybe push you into North New Hampshire and then South Carolina. It's really about a, a of momentum course, game. Of course, because yeah, but it's but really first. Of course, it's momentum. Yeah, you're yeah, first. but it's about a momentum game. But I, I think it actually, as bad and ridiculous as the process is, I do not believe that we would have had a president, Barack Obama, had it not been for the Iowa caucus. But no, but here's the deal, though. I'm sorry. I'm reason I'm not going to buy that because here's the deal. Okay, you could have gone to some other state with a bunch of white people. Obama won other states. Right. For instance, in Nevada, Kelly, in Nevada, Obama came in second to Hillary Clinton, but he actually got one more delegate than she did right. in Nevada. But if the, you the, look the, at... The, the, the problem I have is that... The, 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 no, hold on, hold up. The problem I have here is this here. The problem I have is that I do not believe that one state should have the power to determine candidates who drop out or who stay in. Yeah. No, the problem sure. with this process, the problem with this process, Kelly, is that if you're not polling well in Iowa, then all of a sudden you're like, no, nah, I guess I gotta drop out. Historically, oh my goodness, I didn't do well in Iowa, and so therefore you begin to drop out. I believe that there should not be a single state to first to vote. I believe that what you should do is there should be at least three Multiple or four there. states. I mean, yeah voting on the same day and then that way you have a better idea of the set the next round of states it shouldn't be iowa first new hampshire, then new hampshire then nevada yeah. then south carolina put them all on one day but see the real deal kelly this is about money iowa has it in their constitution that they will be first in the nation this is about money all those staffers, all the campaigns that spend millions on signs, on staff, on food, on AV equipment, on rental cars. And so this is really about big money for the state of Iowa. Kelly, go ahead, then Melick, final comment, then go to my next door. No, for sure. So with 
with that being said, like your your proposal does happen. It just doesn't happen nearly as quickly or as often. We do have a Super Tuesday during this election cycle. It's just not nearly as many uh, Super Tuesdays, so to speak, during the election cycle. So I understand that frustration. I understand that discrepancy in in um, the the election process. But to Malik's point of Obama not. Um, wouldn't have been president, but for Iowa, I feel like there's a dichotomy in that statement versus what you said earlier that you, uh, you know, not every candidate who wins Iowa becomes president. So, like, I understand both of your statements, but for it to basically be more along the same line of thought, I think that's a little contradictory. So either it helps or it hurts. Yeah. Well, just to be clear, no, I no, mentioned... No, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think... No, 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 no. Let me, let me, let me explain that. Uh, the reason I believe it's wrong is because the reality is if you're first, you're going to get the momentum. So, no, frankly, I get that. if you flip the states... You're going to get it. So it's because you're the first one. And the way the political process works, you win Iowa, all of the media attention is like, hey, you're the front runner. And then you get more attention, more money. And so it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're first. So no, yeah, that you're going to get, you're gonna get more point, attention. Though. Yeah, well, I, I'm, not, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I actually agree with that. But I do know that as far as just the polling is concerned, mm -hmm. it wasn't until Barack Obama won Iowa that black people began supporting him because if you remember before then that we were all supporting Hill well right. I wasn't supporting Hillary Clinton I was supporting Barack Obama but the actual polling no, started to shift so I do agree with you that it may be I don't know if why 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 no 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 yeah, no no but, no, I'm saying, no, but I don't know that. if why? the first primary if I don't know if the first um, voting was done in South Carolina or or large or a, a state but, with a larger black population with, I don't know if it would have been the same result. It very well could have. No, but, here's, but the, that no, no, definitely... but here's the deal. Obama, Obama, Obama got the benefit because he won the first state. It was like, oh, damn, he won. And not just I, won I, the first right state, now. it was white people voting for him. It wasn't just winning a but, state, but, it was white people voting for him. But here's the deal, him. though. We don't know that because you don't have any other state that's voting. So, frankly, guess what? That could have been it. It could not have been it. At the end of the day, this is what happens here. All right, y'all, I got to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about TSU, the drama in Houston with the president. That's next uh, on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roland Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roland Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Peace. It's wonderful. Aren't you glad? Religious leader, Father Divine.
All right, folks, join Dr. Jackie Hood Martin as she engages others to think like a leader. Are you looking to enhance your leadership or that of your team in 2020? Well, join her newest online course and mastermind group, How Successful People Think. She will be your guide as you learn timeless leadership principles to apply to daily living. The offer expires on February 28th. Register or start the online course today by going to www.live2lead.com forward slash Leesburg. That's www.live, L-I-V-E, the number two, L-E-A-D.com forward slash L-E-E-S-B-U-R-G. All right, folks, in the latest impeachment news, uh, the impeachment managers, as well as Trump's attorneys, delivered their closing arguments on Monday with little hope of changing anyone's mind. Here are some of today's arguments. Both articles one and two must fail. This entire campaign of impeachment that started from the very first day that the president was inaugurated was a partisan one, and it should never happen again. The president did not condition security assistance or a meeting on anything during the July 25 call. As I stand here today, delivering the House's closing argument, President Trump's constitutional crimes, his crimes against the American people and the nation, remain in progress. Have the facts as presented to you as a court, as the High Court of Impeachment, proven trustworthy? Has there been full and fair disclosure in the course of these proceedings? Absent conviction and removal, how can we be assured that this president will not do it again? If we are to rely on the next election to judge the president's efforts to cheat in that election, how can we know that the election will be free and fair? How can we know that every vote will be free from foreign interference solicited by the president himself? We've never been in a situation like this in our history. We have a bite, a, a, an impeachment that is purely partisan and political. It's opposed by, by, by bipartisan members of the House. It does not even allege a violation of law. It is passed in an election year, and we're sitting here on the day that election season begins in Iowa. It is wrong. There is only one answer to that. And the answer is to reject those articles of impeachment. As the trial comes to a close, the final vote is still to come. It will take place on Wednesday. What uh, was interesting, Malik, now some people saying, let's censure, like, like that somehow is going to impact Donald Trump. He doesn't give a damn. This is not going to change anything. Now you got, Cong now you got uh, Senator Susan Collins saying, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vote not to, not to um, convict him because I really think that he's learned his lesson. Re really? Yeah, well, I, hey, I, I've been on your show, I've been around media saying that that's something that the censuring is something that the House actually should have done. I think that Congress actually should have gone that route because you would have gotten more support from Republicans on that. When you say that I want to impeach you and remove you from office, which is essentially what the, what the impeachment is all about, I do believe that that's a little harder for people to swallow. If they had gone the censure route, now, Donald Trump would much prefer a censure, but he, he would not like a censure either. Now, I, I know you said that he doesn't care, 
he actually does care, um, probably because of just how it looks in the sense of how any president would care about whether or not they've been censured or impeached, because that is something that will forever be on their record. But I think if, if Democrats had chosen the censure route as opposed to the impeachment route, we would have actually been at a different place now, and you would have had more bipartisan support. Right now, it's just the partisans uh, on Kelly. Each Right now, Kelly, it's just the people on Kelly, what, if you're a Democrat, this is what you're going to believe. If you're a Republican, this is what you're going to believe. And there's very little middle ground in that, as it would have been had Kelly, you actually gone the censure route. Kelly, these Republicans wouldn't give a damn about censure. Bottom line is, they are going to protect Donald Trump at all costs. I mean, I, I see both sides here, both your point of view and uh, Malik's. Um, I don't think that... E how do I say this? Even if the Democrats I don't went know, the say it. Huh? Just say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I was trying to formulate a thought. Even if the Democrats <laughs> did go the censure route, I think we still would have come up with the same result of the Republicans just not caring and not um, agreeing with the Democrats because the parties are so polarized and the Republicans want somebody on in their party as the president so badly that it kind of doesn't matter what D Donald Trump does or what uh, repercussions would happen therein, they will support that president because they don't want a Democrat in office, um, in the highest office in the land. So I feel like the Democrats made the right move here in going the impeachment route, not only because what he did rose to the level of impeachment, but they also have to have um, a strong uh, front as well, saying, like, we will not tolerate such behavior from the highest office in the land. And a censor doesn't necessarily send that message, but impeachment does. So they did do the right thing in going this route. If you did go the censure route, I do see Malik's point in, um, in a perfect world where Republicans would be like, yeah, it didn't, that wasn't cool, we should say something okay. about First it, but all, I don't but think that would have happened in, either. We're not in a perfect world. That's what we're I'm not saying. In a perfect Even if... world. And the and, and, and the world and the world that we're in is one where Donald Trump owns owns this entire party. But that's my they point. But what president power. doesn't they, own they their were own party? No, 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 anything this man does. They will not hold him accountable for anything. Well, that's just I not true, Roland. absolutely... That's, no, that's just no, no, not no, true. No, I, I, where's the evidence? Well, Roland, there, the have evidence? Been, there have been a number of times, many times, whether it was Lindsey Graham, whether it was Chuck Grassley, whether it was even Marco Rubio, who, interestingly, made a, a, a different statement now, but there have been many Republicans who have publicly criticized Donald Trump but for some, of the, for some of the Stop things it. that he's Malik, actually... Malik, there Malik, have been many Stop Republicans Malik, who have Malik, criticized Malik, Donald Trump. Malik, there's so, a difference between so, and they have congressmen. They have there's a difference between an individual congressman criticizing the president and the Republican Party within Congress as a united front, not only criticizing him, but actually doing something about it. But you're not, but you're, but so, and, and this is, I, I've actually made this point many times before when people say, well, why no, is it that, no, that no, no, why no, no, is no, no. it that... I'm going to finish my point. No, no, I'm going to finish my point. I'm going to finish my point. This is what I said. I said, hold him accountable. There is a difference, Melick, between a Jeff Flake getting on the floor of the United States Senate and giving a speech, mm -hmm. and Lindsey Graham mm -hmm. saying a few words mm -hmm. uh, on Fox News and holding him accountable. Two different things. So let me be clear. I did not say the Republicans have not given speeches 
saying, oh, Trump shouldn't have done that or shouldn't have said that or that was inartful how he worded. I said they have refused at every turn to hold Donald Trump accountable. Yeah, and so I knew, I, I, I knew what you were saying there because you've mentioned it many times before, but outside of voting to remove the President of the United States from office, what, what, is, what does holding Trump accountable look like? So if criticizing Trump... Easy, so, easy. So, no, 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 no. I'll criticism... No, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. No, you asked the question. Okay. I'll tell you what it looks like. What it looks like is when Donald Trump gives cover to Saudi Arabia. When it comes to the killing of a journalist working for the Washington Post, and then Donald Trump's like, hey, they're spending money with us buying arms. What did the, what did the members of Congress do? How do they hold him accountable? Have they stopped what he's done? Have they stopped any action that he's done? No. What they've done is they said, oh, okay, all right, all right, well, you know what, okay, you're done, you should have done that, but okay, go right ahead. No. They have not rebuked him at any turn. Well, that's a, well, well, I, Show me the evidence. Well, Roland, I just told you the many instances where Republicans have actually criticized him. But the notion that the notion that somehow the notion that somehow the notion that somehow members of the party the notion that somehow members of any party, be a Democrat or Republican, are going to publicly rebuke their president of the United States, it's just a pipe dream. It's not something that's really going to happen. Not, that's, there that's, have that's been many true, instances... That's, that's not true. That's, that's not, not necessarily true. true. Kelly, go ahead. But that's I'm, not true. But, As an example, what? But what I'm... Okay, what I'm saying... Kelly, go ahead. First of all, we've never had a president do, like, a litany of super egregious things to the extent of Donald Trump, such that we needed an entire party... Um, to, to hold that president accountable. So that's number one. But when you say there have been several Republicans who have criticized him, you're absolutely right. There have been. But there's a difference between these people criticizing him and, and actually bringing forth legislation. Such as a, what, though? What does hold him accountable mean? I mean, frankly, Melek, they could have brought the censure. They could have said... They don't have the House. How could Republicans... They had the House for the first year and a half of his presidency. But what, so what are they censuring him about prior to... This what 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 is it that you I mean? A censure like, like how you said that this didn't rise to high crimes and misdemeanors, and the Congress has the ability to determine what a high crime and misdemeanor is. Right. Congress can also determine what rises to the level of censure. Some of the things that Donald Trump has done, either by way of his tweets or his policies. I mean, they could have censured him for the uh, the seven country ban within his first twelve. But months. But that's something that went through courts, though. But or, what I'm saying. So you're going to censure him for something that the you, courts eventually ruled in his favor? What I'm saying is Congress had the ability at that time to do it because it doesn't matter what that branch of government does. It matters what the legislative branch of government does when it comes to censure. So when Donald Trump did that, when he did that, Congress could have been like, hey, that's messed up. You need a censure, regardless but that's of what not, the judicial branch not, did. That's just not how censures work. It is how censures work. Bottom line is this here. No, it is how censures work. No, you don't need the you don't need the judicial branch to bring You're just making that up. No, I'm not. You don't need the No, you don't need the judicial branch to bring forth a censure. That's my point. But judicial branches don't bring forth censures. I don't understand what you're saying. Okay, I said Congress can bring a censure. Excuse me. And you're talking about judicial branch. Those are two separate branches. So we're not talking about that. I'm very clear here. Folks, folks, it's very clear here. 
Republican Party is not going to hold Donald Trump accountable. They're not going to rebuke him. It's about power. It's as simple as that, and that's what they're going to do. Let's talk about the House of Representatives, folks, passing the Comprehensive Credit Act of 2020, which, among other things, will make it easier to fix mistakes in credit reports, improve free annual credit reports, restrict the use of credit report for employment purposes, and limit the reporting of medical debt. It will also give struggling private student loan borrowers a chance to rehabilitate their credit. The bill was introduced by Congresswoman Ayanna Pressler of Massachusetts, uh, and here's her talking about it. In this country, our credit reports are our reputations, determining where you can live, where you can work, and how much it will cost you to finance everything from a car to a college degree. But our credit reporting system is fundamentally flawed rife with inequities and disparities that stifle the upward mobility of millions of hardworking Americans. I am proud to rise in support of my comprehensive credit reporting enhancement, disclosure, innovation, and transparency, or the Comprehensive Credit Act, a critical package of reforms that will improve our fundamentally flawed credit reporting system. How and what information is shared with credit reporting agencies is especially important as Americans take on ever-increasing debts simply for trying to afford basic needs, housing, health care, and higher education. Trailing only mortgages, student loan debt is now the second highest form of consumer debt, impacting nearly one-fifth of U.S. households and totaling over $1.6 trillion. That's trillion with a T. In my home state of Massachusetts alone, over 855,000 borrowers owe a total of $33.3 billion in student loan debt. That's why I'm especially proud the Comprehensive Credit Act includes reforms originally introduced in my Student Borrower Credit Improvement Act, reforms that would establish a credit rehabilitation process for private student loan borrowers facing hardship making students eligible to have all associated derogatory remarks removed from their credit reports, which can otherwise stay on for seven years. Even if we wipe out all student debt tomorrow, the devastating impact on consumers' credit would remain for years to come. For that very reason, we must give folks a real chance at recovery and repair. It is estimated that one in five Americans has a potential error on their credit report. But for too long, credit reporting agencies have kept consumers in the dark and made it difficult to correct errors that do come to light. The Comprehensive Credit Act will ensure that consumers can quickly and easily rectify those errors. At a time when wages are stagnant, but the cost of housing, childcare, and education continue to rise, we should be working to provide our constituents pathways to financial stability and to success. It is why this bill would restrict the use of credit scores for most hiring decisions, limit the amount of time that adverse information can remain on a person's credit profile, and ban the reporting of any debt as a result of medically necessary procedures. I urge my colleagues to support the Comprehensive Credit Act and to ensure a more equitable and transparent credit reporting system for all. Mel, like I have no, this now goes to the U.S. Senate. I have no confidence that, that uh, Mitch McConnell is going to pick this up. Republicans were extremely uh, anti the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, uh, and so I doubt very seriously we'll see them do anything when it comes to this bill. I don't know that. We don't know that. Um, there are things about it that I definitely like. Um, <laughs> I don't think that it's a bad. Uh, well, we, well they, they got a history on this one. Okay, well, 
It hasn't gone to the Senate yet. This is the same Senate that passed criminal justice reform that people probably wouldn't have thought that they passed. So no, this is, the, this, 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 this is the same Senate. This is the same Senate where Democrats have passed about 400 bills that, that uh, has have not been taken up at all. Well, because well, because you're including, smart. Including, because although your audience may not be, you're uh, smart enough me, to know how this works. Including, Roland. let me finish. Roland, let let's me not finish, be including, politically disingenuous including, here. Uh, 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 no, no, no. Actually, I must including bills that was a to put money to protect the integrity of the elections in November. Well, let's that bill let's has gone nowhere. Let's let's not be disingenuous here. You as well as me and, no, and no, probably. No, I'm not being disingenuous. Well, Roland, I'm, sta I'm stating. Okay. I'm stating so, things that actually well, should be bipartisan. Okay. But Mr. McConnell will not bring it up. Absolutely. Well, well, let me explain to you how this normally works. Then, since you seem as if you don't know I now. Don't need you to, I don't so need, I don't how need this you normally works is that thing. the House can pass one thousand bills and they can say that they pass 1,000 bills and we know that there's another process there which is the Senate so the notion that they pass bills Isn't that they know that? that the Senate may not take up at all is yeah it actually helps them with their numbers and saying we pass X number of bills like and I that, said and that like would I be said, the case Kelly, and that Kelly, would be the case Roland, Kelly, like I said, whether or not the whether Kelly, or not like there said, was a house all, controlled I don't need you to by to Democrats or Republicans that that's here's how the process know, works here's what I and know. you know that Here's what you know I know, that's Kelly. How, you know the how Republican it works. Party, the Republican Party was absolutely against the Consumer Financial Protection yes. Bureau. What I know I as a fact, what I know as a fact, Kelly, that's, that's as true. a fact, Kelly, that uh, that Mick Mulvaney, uh, when Donald Trump put him over that, gutted the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, You're right. which actually under President Obama saved taxpayers about twelve billion dollars. We know as a fact, Kelly, that Mick Mulvaney and the Trump administration allowed predatory lenders to do whatever they want, allowed payday lenders uh, strip all of those different provisions. And so, yes, Kelly, I have absolutely no confidence that Mitch McConnell and the Republican Party in the Senate would do anything when it comes to this credit protection bill that was passed and well, led by Congresswoman Ayanna Pressley passing the House. Anyway, Kelly, go ahead. Kelly, go that? ahead. Actually, that's not true. Well, that's no, not what? true. You've already said on your show good. that there's nothing this that this administration Kelly, or Republicans have done. This Melly, is what you I'm said on your show. And we can pull the records on that, but this is respond. Kelly, go ahead. Melly, Kelly's not going to respond. Kelly, go ahead. So, I understand your vote of no confidence. I can't, you know, say that I disagree with you, just given their track record. Um, yeah, like, I applaud uh, Congressman Presley, given everything that she's going through to, to honestly just do her job of this as if nothing's happening. You know, like, some, what she's going through right now is very personal, and it is definitely in the spotlight over her job. So I feel like just pushing through doing her job and actually introducing said legislation to the floor, I, I, that's highly commendable, and I just feel like we should applaud that, knowing what, you know, just based off of patterned behavior, I'm not going to say that I know exactly what's going to happen, but just based off of patterned behavior, it does not look like the Senate is going to do anything with this bill. Um, especially when, like you said, what the Trump administration has done to basically dismantle and gut anything regarding uh, consumer protection. So while, you know, I don't necessarily think it's every single Republican, but like we have established earlier in this show, the Republicans are kind of a united front whether or not individual Republicans agree. They just need to act like they're a united front. So with this bill, I think as a united front, um, especially on the Senate side, 
nothing's necessarily going to uh, be done with this bill. And it's unfortunate because it not only helps, you know, people who support Ayanna Presley, it helps people who support the Republican Party as well. And if they would just, you know, stop... And, and you know, right. you know, operating on party lines as if one's evil and one's good, you know, we would actually That's what we have... do all the time on this show. One's evil, one's and, good. And, and, and Republicans and, 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 are evil and, 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 and Democrats no, 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 are good. But that's no, no, not this like, happens all see, the time this on this is, show. See, this is where you're a liar, Malik. This is where you're a liar. Well, Let me well, state this you, you, the, the fact that you would even call I'm anybody a liar is many lies as you told on your own show. And your people in your comment section, your followers are going to believe it if you stood on K Street and shot someone. Your people, let me your say people would right believe here. you. So if you're going to call somebody a liar, right no, I have actually, many instances, no, Roland, actually, where you have lied to your audience. Melek, I'm audience. talking. You have I'm lied. Talking right now. Let me lied. let me say this for That's all of Melek, Melek, so you. Melek, you support a liar, and you're going to vote for a liar, Donald Trump. You a liar. You lie. Let me state this here, folks. Many different Let me state this very clearly. Let me state this very clearly, folks. Here are some bipartisan bills. Here are some bipartisan bills, Melek. I'm talking now. Here are some bipartisan bills. Here's some bipartisan bills that have passed in the House. Okay? First, net neutrality. Bipartisan bill passed in the House. Equal Pay Act. Bipartisan bill passed in the House. Okay? A simple authorization of the Violence Against Women's Act. Real simple. Bipartisan. It has gone, those bills have gone nowhere in the Senate. To all the folks who are watching, as I said, it's a graveyard over in the Senate. All Mitch McConnell cares about are federal judicial appointments and their bipartisan bills he won't even touch. So I have no hope that Republicans in the Senate are going to take up this credit bill by Congresswoman Ayanna Presley. All right, folks, the NAACP has been a lawsuit that's been filed by, against them by Jasmine Childs, who repeatedly told the national NAACP that her supervisor in North Carolina had sexually harassed her. Uh, she's now, of course, suing the group and her former boss. In the lawsuit filed in Durham County Court, attorneys for Childs said she was sexually harassed by the Reverend Curtis Gatewood when she was youth and college field secretary for the state conference in 2017. Here's her announcing it at a news conference in September. Shortly after I begun my dream work, a long nightmare began. On February 8th, 2017, I was out of work with the flu on my couch covered with a blanket when my cell phone rang. My coworker, Tyler Swanson, said that a supervisor had asked him for my cell phone number. Tyler refused to give it to him. Tyler said he watched him open a file cabinet, uh, pulling out a folder with my name and uh, looking at my resume. About 30 minutes later, my phone rang with a number I didn't recognize. I thought it may have been someone from a branch or a college, so I answered the call. I heard the voice of the supervisor. I was very confused. I thought I had done something wrong, but in a seductive, low voice, he said he was calling to check on me and to let him know if I needed anything, anything at all. He would be there for me. I tried to end the call politely because at the time I was a temporary employee and I wanted a contract position. I felt violated and scared. In fact, Tyler and another coworker had warned me in my first week at the NAACP never to be alone with this man because he had sexually harassed interns and other young women. After I hung up the phone, I understood what they meant. Then on May 2nd, 2017, The staff 
the staff uh, were in the office setting up for my coworker, Laurel Ashton's surprise going away party. We left the lights off in the room, hoping she would not see what we were doing as I was unpacking food and setting it up on the table. I felt someone's breath on my neck, and then I felt his penis against my buttocks. I turned around quickly and saw the same supervisor. I yelled loudly, um, why are you hovering over me? That's gross. Move. He claimed he was looking for a receipt, and then he stormed out. I stood there feeling violated, ashamed, and scared after he sexually assaulted me. Concerned about my safety and that he would get more aggressive, I reported the incidents and filed a sexual harassment complaint. Jasmine says she suffers from depression, anxiety, nervousness, and insomnia. As a result, the lawsuit seeks more than $5 million in compensatory damages and more than $25,000 in punitive damages on each of three claims, battery, assault, and intentional affliction of emotional distress. We reached out to the NAACP for comment, but have not received a response just yet. Also, folks, uh, let's talk about Texas Southern University's Board of Regents. They scheduled a special meeting today for to discuss the termination, the possible termination of school president Austin Lane. The board gave no explanation for its actions in terms in placing him on administrative leave. Lane's assistant, Wendell Williams, was fired 30 minutes after the announcement was made a few weeks ago. A week later, the board released a statement noting that Lane was put on leave amid an investigation into alleged improprieties in TSU's admissions process. The statement did not directly link Lane to the investigation, but noted Lane had twice been interviewed about it. Also, I've uh, talked to various folks in Houston, and the board claimed that there is, they've reached out to law enforcement authorities, yet the district attorney's office and Houston Police Department uh, say there are no active investigations involving TSU. And so uh, they got some explaining to do on that board. We have reached out to all of the board members on repeatedly via email, and uh, none of them, actually a couple have responded, but the board chair and the others who voted to put Lane on administrative leave have refused to make any comment to us whatsoever. All right, folks, in Ohio, a former Northmont High School student, Jordan Evans, said he was wrongly accused of smelling like marijuana in his first period class last week. The, the, the suspension notice mentioned several members of the staff smelling him. Hmm. He said he was searched. His mother, Katina Cottrell, who's a registered nurse, was called to the school where she tried to prove her son's innocence. She took a drug test to the school and tested him in front of the principal. The results came back negative. She then took her son to urgent care to have another test done the same day with the same negative result. Cottrell says she's worried her son is being racially discriminated against. Her concern comes as the district has taken a closer look at relationships between white teachers and black students. Kelly, this is one of those things that uh, to me is, uh, is a joke. So to say, oh, I smell marijuana on you, but he takes a drug test and it's negative. I'm sorry. This is not how you're supposed to be leading when it comes to students in schools. Not at all. And, you know, I understand, especially in, in uh, primary schooling, you know, K through 12 schools, that there may be a zero tolerance policy for such substances, substances on, on minors. However, if you tested negative, it doesn't matter what you smell. You 
obviously don't have any on you and you don't have it on your person and you weren't using. So, you know, the school, you know, in good faith should have just apologized to the student and the parent and the student should have just been able to go to class um, immediately. This is one of those cases where the school just felt like it had to save face and stand strong in their conviction that this child was wrong when in fact the child was right. And I feel like it was more of an inflated ego and uh, just bad practice all around to feel like a child couldn't be right in this situation. Um, yeah, the school definitely needs to uh, rectify it immediately, have it off his record so that nothing like this will show up in, in future uh, documents for him. Like, I, I don't know if this child was in high school or not. I didn't uh, catch that part of the story. But regardless, there should be nothing um, regarding this child uh, that would hinder him from, you know, pursuing his education even further when it really was the school's fault that any of this happened in the first place. Uh, I just don't understand, Melek, how somebody can smell like marijuana but take a drug test and is negative but still get suspended. Hey, <laughs> I'll just say this. It is very possible to be around people who smoke marijuana, walk away smelling like marijuana, Absolutely. and haven't smoked marijuana yourself. It's kind of like cigarettes in that case. Yes. I mean, you can be around someone who hasn't smoked, who you don't smoke cigarettes yourself, but you're around people who smoke, and so you end up smelling like smoke. Um, this is a little ridiculous. I do know that the school's policy is that you can't have marijuana on your breath or person. So that's very possible that he smelled like marijuana because he could have been around people who smoked. But I think when you get to a point where you're actually having not just one drug test, the notion that his mother even had to come and give him one is already crazy. But then you go a little further and you do a second drug test. I think under those circumstances, the school clearly overreached at this point because you can smell marijuana right. on him, but if you have proof, because at this point, there, that's the proof. The proof is the drug test. And so if you have that information, if you have that proof, to then go ahead and con continue with the suspension is a very heavy-handed, and I think that that's something that the district <laughs> itself should reconsider. Look, the reason why I find this to be BS, when I was in uh, middle school, William S. Holland Middle School in Houston, uh, it was a security guard, we were in the library, and he pulled me and another student th into the office. Uh, one was a Latino young man, uh, and both of us had similar afros, curly hair, and so clearly the, uh, the teacher, uh, her name was Miss Hart, uh, and uh, she, I think it was, this was uh, eighth grade, it was a reading teacher. Uh, what she did was she asked the security guard uh, to uh, check us, uh, and because I because I had bloodshot eyes, my eyes have always been red. People people come people hit me on Instagram like, oh my god, you're sick, your eyes are red. I'm like, y'all, my eyes been red since I was a kid. That's what happens when you grow up next to uh, the Houston Ship Channel and all the chemical the chemical plants. But what's interesting, so so we go into the office, and so the uh, the security guard asks us to empty our pockets, and I'm going like, why are we emptying our pockets? And so we empty our pockets, uh, and uh, so there was this, um, this um, uh, I had a couple of little small sheets of paper. And I said, dude, don't even try it. Like, don't even think for a second that that's uh, some marijuana uh, uh, slipped uh, in my pocket. And so uh, I got home. I got home. 
and um, what happened was I told my dad what happened. My dad said, get the white pages. Now, for all y'all kids out there uh, who don't know who were not around when they had white pages, that's actually, they had two phone books. They had the white pages yeah, and, and they had the, the yellow, yellow pages. pages. White pages <laughs> were for businesses. Yellow, yellow pages, pages, of course, were for businesses. So I got the white pages, and my dad, uh, he called the middle school. Mr. Broussard was the principal, and he asked for him. And he, he said, Mr. Broussard, my son just came home and told me what happened. He said, let me be real clear. None of my kids drink. None of my kids use drugs. He said, I fully expect when my son comes to school tomorrow that his teacher, he said, what's her name, son? I said, Miss Hart. He said that she's going to apologize to my son for what she did. And he said, if my son gets home tomorrow and tells me that she has not apologized, I will be in your office 15 minutes after he arrives at home. He said, do you understand what I am saying? And Mr. Broussard said, uh, Mr. Martin, I certainly understand. He said, so I fully expect that apology or you will be seeing me tomorrow. And he hung the phone up. Next day, I went to that class. Ms. Hart, who was a white teacher, yes, she apologized to me personally for having me search for marijuana. Uh, and I, but so there was no suspension. But when you look right. at this particular story here, it is shameful. And this young man was suspended. Uh, and this is the kind of crap that black kids have to deal with in schools all the time. We covered here the story out of Galveston or near Galveston. The exact same thing happened. And so, unfortunately, it happens far too often uh, to our children. And so I, we stand with uh, his mother. And I say, give that school as much hell as you possibly can. Right. All right, folks, let's talk about, uh, in a speech at the British Academy's Film Awards la uh, a few nights ago, after winning the Leading Actor Award for his role in the movie Joker, Joaquin Phoenix uses his acceptance speech to draw attention to the lack of diversity and inclusion in the film industry. Uh, I feel very honored and privileged uh, to be here tonight. Baptists have always been very supportive of, of my career and I'm deeply appreciative. <clears throat> but I have to say that I also feel um, conflicted because so many of my fellow actors that are deserving don't have that same privilege. Uh, I think that we send a very clear message to people of color that you're not welcome here. Um, I think that's the message that we're sending to people that have contributed uh, so much to our medium and our industry and in ways that we benefit from. Um, <clears throat> I don't think anybody wants a, uh, a handout or preferential treatment, although that's what we give ourselves every year. I think that people just want to be acknowledged and appreciated and respected for, for their work. This is not a self-righteous condemnation because uh, I'm ashamed to say that I'm part of the problem. I have not uh, done everything in my power to ensure that the sets I work on are inclusive, uh, but I think that it's more than just having sets that are multicultural. I think that um, we have to really do the, the hard work to truly understand systemic racism. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> I think that it is the obligation of the people that have created and perpetuate and benefit from a system of oppression to be the ones that dismantle it. So that's on us. Thank you. Boy, that's some truth telling to some white folks, Kelly. You know, I, I, there's nothing that he said that was wrong or I disagree with. I feel like, you know, he said this at the BAFTA Awards, so that's in um, England. 
So I would have had a little bit more of a moved moment, so to speak, had he said this at the Golden Globes or elsewhere. Um, I don't know what his... Well, uh, hey, the, the Oscars are, the Oscars are the coming Oscars up, are coming. so if he we, wins, he might say it there. Listen, we might see it. I'm not going to... Hey, wait, wait. He's, he's already... Hold up. He, he, he won the Golden Globe for Joker and he won the BAFTA, so he might win the, win the Academy Awards, oh, so we'll sure. see. Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, like, I'm not... I'm Again, I'm not discrediting what he said. I just am of the mindset that what he's saying should be more normalized and not necessarily praised. I applaud him for his his awareness, but I need more than a speech out of Joaquin Phoenix, because as he said in that speech, he has not done enough. Hopefully, this speech is a first start and that there's already something on the books that will back up said speech. So, for example, Michael B. Jordan... Um, is, has introduced through his production company a, a rider clause such that people of, right, uh, right. of diversity and color are almost obligated to have first dibs on contracts such as um, uh, a Joker role or somebody on crew or somebody in production or directing so that you have right. accountability in that. I would... I'd much rather... Well, not much rather. I applaud a clause like that coming out of Michael B. Jordan and um, uh, what was the studio? Universal or Warner? I forgot which one. But the the, the yeah, main studio that is adopting that through all of its production uh, projects, I applaud something like that a lot more than a speech in a country that, frankly, are, are the originators right. of this of this problem. Well, and that's, and that's where, again, I think, Melik, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's proof it's in the pudding in terms of what you do. Your comment, please, before we go. Yeah, absolutely. I Actually, I will co-sign um, Kelly. I'll give, you know, Phoenix a slow clap here. But I, I, wish, I wish you had actually said that at the Golden Globes. Because right. to, to me, it's kind of like um, a white person coming before black people to talk about racism, but they never go before white people to actually talk about racism. Um, well, it wasn't that many black people in that room that no, so. No, no I'm saying, no, but but no. my point, I'm just kind of making that as a comparison there. You know, yeah. I just, I wish that he and other people who like to have these moments do it kind of when it matters a little more. Maybe he'll do it at the oh, Oscars. I, agree. I don't know. But but I will say this very well, quickly. Yeah, I, right, but, 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 but... Yeah, I just will say quick. this very quickly. I'm one of those who actually believes that instead of Joaquin Phoenix, the guy who played Corey in this... Um, and uh, Central Park Five, um, when they see us, I actually think he's the one who actually should have won. But that's not uh, here. That that could not. But that actually, that oh, could wait, not no, have applied. Oh wait, no, because that's the Emmy. Because it was a that, series. That, it no, wasn't no, a no, no, movie. Uh, okay. Right. Darn. Right. Okay. And, 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 but Golden and, Globes, and he was not. a motion picture. Okay. And 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 that that also that wasn't a motion picture. Right. Uh, that was because it was on. It wasn't. Oh, okay. Netflix yeah, that's had more movies, Golden Globes. That, that wasn't actually on. Mm -hmm. That 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 wasn't. Was, that wasn't on the big screen. Okay. Uh, so Netflix has movies on the big screen that they also stream. That was got solely on, on Netflix. So that's got why uh, that wasn't the case there. All right, folks. I gotta go because I gotta go speak right now uh, here at Mount Carmel Baptist Church in Indianapolis. Folks, you're in Indianapolis. Come on by. Uh, I'm talking about uh, how blacks have been forgotten out of the Bible, but we're gonna expand that thing uh, a little bit more to talk about the issue of white supremacy. Uh, and I think we have it set up uh, where my folks are gonna be streaming it as well. So I got to go. If y'all want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered, please do so. Uh, actually, you know, I'm gonna do this here real quick. We're gonna end the show this way before I go. Uh, first of all, support RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. The last couple of days, we were actually streaming the Congressional Black Caucus, uh, their National Leadership Summit.
Summit. We, I was the MC last night. We also streamed today. You can go watch both of those on our YouTube channel. So we're going to close the show out with Reverend Barber, who spoke today with his comments today from the CBC Summit. And so we're going to play for that. And then, of course, uh, we're going to transition right into uh, my speech here uh, in uh, Indianapolis. So you have a great day. I'll see you back in the studio in D.C. tomorrow. Holla! If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.